Hey tribe, welcome to Word Up with Danny Katz, your one-stop 5D superhero listening spot. Now, here at Word Up, we host a number of different podcast series, including Words Are Matter, Planetary Service Announcements, Witchy Life Hacks, The Conscious Awesome Show with my amazing co-host, Justin Polgar. It's where we play Spot the Propaganda together, and it's where we have high-vibe, deep-diving conversations with amazing humans. So be sure to hit that subscribe button and stay tuned for this week's episode. In today's Conscious Awesome show, my co-host Justin Frank Polgar and I explore microdosing. You can find this episode and all of our episodes and all of our episodes in video format on our locals page, consciousawesome.locals.com. But before you head over there and join the fun, be sure to hit the subscribe button as well as to like this show and share it with your nearest and dearest. As well, why not ply them with chocolate? Why not ply yourself and everyone you know with the world's highest vibe, most delicious chocolate infused with adaptogenic herbs, medicinal mushrooms, and great vibes. Stock up today at yescacao.com. Lastly, I have a new book. Pop Propaganda, an illustrated guide. It's on sale now. It's appropriate for teens and grownups alike, and it is a must read for every free thinker in your life. Buy many copies today and enjoy the show. Yes, 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 and welcome. Hello. Welcome to the Conscious Awesome Show with your co-host, Jaren Activist, Danny Katz. That's me! And mustache guy, chocolate guy, <laughs> over here, Justin Polgar. We're here to play in the Conscious Awesome realm. We cover topics that cover, that cover you. We cover <laughs> topics that cover you and are through you and as you, a.k.a. consciousness, the amazing, magical fabric that is animating this whole mm, fashion show so it's a fashion show <laughs> voila way way so today episode 36 so amazing how time just double doubles and doubles and doubles just keeps 36. on ticking 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 into the future yeah it's um <laughs> it's all lining up here we're having a musical fashion show now. It's a music video fashion show. That's kind of what it feels like sometimes. It seems to be how the powers that were like to play it. And at the same time, the powers that are to be are having epic synchronicity. I mean, yes, so many people. Are. I mean, like we're all having double down, super saturated synchronicity. And a lot of the conversations that I'm having with people, part of that might be the the obviousness is coming to the surface more so. It's easier to pick through and discern. Maybe it's easier to discern these days than it was before. And it might have something to do. It seems like every door I walk into or conversation I eavesdrop, coffee shops or you know, out and around walking to the farmer's market, everyone's talking about microdosing. So I thought it'd be fun to do an episode on microdosing, just because it seems to be in the sphere. It's kind of this, it's a little taboo. It's taboo, and yet... It's the, so mainstream now. I mean, the Silicon Valley community, if you want to call it a community, the entire society of tech peeps, um, it's, a, it's very mainstream in tech, for sure. Like, yeah. if you don't have your competitive advantage. You know, and it's a lot of the upper, upper management that are experiencing this and saying, I got to get all my employees on this so that we can be making leaps and bounds. Okay. When you say microdosing, cause it's, you know, that word has gone through different iterations. 
I, my first experience with microdosing was when I was in graduate school. I used to microdose LSD when I had insomnia. But then it became like an established thing in the lexicon and in culture a couple years ago. And I noticed normie friends talking about, I want to get into microdosing. And it was more about the verb and not the, the substance or, or what they were microdosing. So I'm like, you want to microdose peanut butter? You want to microdose like aspartame? What are we even talking about? But now I feel like my automatic visual association is Jack Dorsey's dumb face. With oh, his, no. his nose ring and his stupid hipster beard. And I'm sure he's microdosing between ice baths and shitting on the First Amendment. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, you know what? If, if we're going to say everyone's doing it, the villains are doing it too. Well, of course, because notice that it came, it started to seep into the collective at the same time they started talking about legalizing psychedelics. Mm -hmm. And once you bring the FDA and big pharma in to what we're ingesting, you know that that's tainted. I, I think also that there's, there's something, when something has great value, when something has great value, which is generally the vibe that I hear from people. I mean, I have my personal experiences where I feel like there's, there's palpable value to microdosing and for most people that I talk to, uh, they're really enjoying and, and very grateful for the subtle effects of it. There's well, a lot of value up. in that. But hold yeah, up. What is that? What is it? Well, we I'm define ask it first. What you're talking about. When you're talking about your friends are receiving great value from it, what are they microdosing? This verb has become synonymous with the substances people are microdosing, and I'm sure some things are more beneficial to microdose than others. So when you say that you're witnessing people having great benefits, what are they microdosing? Well, I thought we covered this. All right, I mean, peanut butter. <laughs> Organic peanut butter. God, yeah, Tammy, I'm lectin. I'm, are they called lectins? I'm intolerant. I can't microdose peanut butter. It doesn't work for me. Uh, um, could you, you could, we have microdose alternatives, like I can you can microdose seed, butter. you can almond butter or hemp butter. You can, you know, you go really, you could pistachio butter microdose. Oh, that's a good one. Okay. I'm game. <laughs> so your friends are receiving great benefit from a verb that can apply to, are they, well, a lot of people are microdosing oxygen because they're inhibiting their own intake. Oh, so that's man. where I see it the most is, is being so the most crazy. widespread, the most widespread microdosing is oxygen <laughs> at the moment, though that doesn't seem to be um, giving the benefits of other Not really substances. optimizing. Okay. Let's, let's, um, let's rewind just a little moment here. Um, and I'm going to ask, cause you had mentioned in graduate school, um, around what years, you know, not to date you cause everyone knows you're in your fifties. Everyone knows that. I'm you're in your mid fifties, your very early sixties. Um, so it was in the 1800s. I was <laughs> microdosing. Uh, there was no term for microdosing. There were no dispensaries to go get things at. I would cut my little LSD tabs into quarters and I would just take a little bit and I'd be up all night. I'd, I'd take all my Ikea furniture apart and put it back together again and write awesome things. Right, so that so that's interesting to me. That's more of like medio dosing than okay. micro dosing. What's medio? That's like when you take a little too much. It goes from micro to like medio to macro to like okay, birthday dose, heroic dose. Da, 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 da. Oh, wait, was medio a little too much of a micro? I, yeah, I've like done I've that. Had situations. Lost total writing day. Lost a whole day. <laughs> I've had a situation where someone's like, "Oh yeah, I'll give you a micro dose," and they're like, "Here, you know, this is like a." with liquid LSD and it's like, oh, just, it's just, you'll, you'll barely feel anything. And like, oh shit, or oops. And that's just not the, the first thing you want to hear from the person. You know, I'm like thinking, oh good, this is going to give me just a little bit of energy and I'm going to be able to be productive and have a sound mind. And it was like, oh, no, no, I'm going into a whole visual world. I'm about to, okay. I've had and Take a deep breath, surrender completely, and center. Let's roll. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's, okay, microdosing, as far as what I've come to understand, and, and it's not just like my friends, it's really just like people I'm just meeting, like the conversation, I was hiking. 
I was hiking the other day and I was hiking kind of next to this guy. You know, there was some distance. Don't know why, but we were hiking and uh, he was, he was just kind of in the same thing. And he's in his sixties. Um, I think, or it could have been in early seventies, but like, you know, within a, he's about your age. He's (laughs) a little bit younger than you. Just a little. He didn't look anything like you. He's not on your program for sure. (laughs) So I don't know, within like three or four minutes of meeting this new person, we are already deep in the psychedelic conversation and it's so, it's like people want to talk about it. They want to be let out of the box. They want to, a, let you know that they know, and B, they've been just needing and wanting and like, who can I talk to about this? This guy, he's, he's got a man bun and, and kind of some facial hair. He's, he's wearing some galactic sweatshirt. <clears throat> Maybe I can talk to him about this. I like to be a permission slip. I want people to feel like they can talk about anything with me. And so it's just out and about and around. Now, for me, microdosing a psychedelic substance like mushrooms psilocybin, LSD, um, Guachuma. I mean, there's so many different things that- I might have heard of Ibogaine for a while. That was another, just add it to the- Ibogaine, cannabis. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, so many. I don't really see people microdosing MDMA. Maybe a little bit. It's a slippery slope. And I don't think that it's one of those things where you can do that regularly. I think it's a little too depleting on the serotonin. Mm-hmm. But there are certain substances that you can do, you know, several times a week, and it seems to have continued effects. The microdose is a subperceptual rotation. It's a subperceptual elevation uh, shift in perspective. Where, for me, the way I know that I had a successful microdose is at the end of the day, I look back and I go, oh yeah, that's right. It's like, wow, today was amazing. Like everything, like I felt really full in my being. I was really able to make connections. I was super productive. I had that hit to call that person exactly when I was supposed to. I knew to take a walk when I needed to take a walk and I bumped into this other person. I had this amazing idea about leaves and like, oh, I could totally do that. You know, and it's like, a kind of a normalish day, but like with extra bonuses and sprinkles on top. And I go, oh, that's right. I, I took a little microdose. So, Whereas, okay. yeah. Oh, sorry. Don't let me interrupt you. That's, that's my understanding of a, that's what a microdose is, would be a subperceptual enhancement. Okay. So when you choose to microdose, I'm wondering what is the intention and impetus that inspires you to microdose? And what is the through line in your experience of microdosing? And again, what are you microdosing? Uh, it changes up. I've, I've gone through different experiences. Like I used to take um, like an LSD tab and I'd put it in a little dropper with alcohol and like shake it up and like maybe let it hang out in the cabinet for a week or so, maybe two weeks. And then I would take like a couple drops and when I went back and did the math, it was like five mics, like five micrograms, which a, you know, a tab might be like a hundred or 150 or 200 if it was a really saturated one. So, um, when I, when I'm, when I was reading about microdosing, uh, just recently, it's, you know, they're saying like about 20 mics. Now, if I take that, that's not subperceptual for me. I'm, you know, that's, that's kind of the. That's the tricky thing. That's where the, that's where pharma is going to have a, a difficult time trying to make a one size fits all product. That's going to be a challenging thing because people have much different sensitivities Can we clear and a little bit goes. I just want to shut off the timeline where big pharma shoves their dumb, corrupt face into the psychedelics. I know that there's talk of it happening and I'd like to just, eradicate that whole timeline altogether and keep them out of it before eradicating it i want to just tap into that or at least speak into the reality zone um, of one reality zone that a lot of the paths of these up-and-coming psychedelic ventures and startups and companies are being funded by branches of pharma and are going because it's like what you know 
it's interesting, right? Because you have cannabis and how did cannabis kind of enter the market it, through legality in California, aside from, you know, Prop 215 and Compassionate Care Act. And then you had uh, medical, um, you get like a med, you get a prescription. Now it's legal, but it really followed the distribution model of alcohol. Right? Like, Are you saying that this is a good thing? Because my experience, no. is to, like, I think it's a horrible thing what has happened no. to the cannabis industry because of pharma. Why? Well, I mean, I agree. And it's not only because of pharma, it's just because of legislation. It's because of government. Exactly. You know, so, so it's interesting to see, I think, where cannabis took a let's do a business model like alcohol. And then I, um, there's, it's going to be interesting to see what path. And there's a little bit of a, a competition around that because there's tech that wants, you know, there's tech that wants to kind of lead the psychedelic upgrade movement. And then there's pharma. Then there's the crossover because there's hold definitely up. a Venn diagram. Hold up. Tech oh. is still the control matrix. And when you say the psychedelic upgrade movement or the psychedelic mind control movement let's go mind not, control let's be honest yeah let's be honest like this is these are not well-intentioned people wanting to serve what's best for the populace they're wanting what, to control and profit in so many in in a lot of ways like i've had conversations i've been in different webinars I, like i'm curious about this world because i'm like where is this going because it seems to have huge impact huge yeah. huge impact yeah and you know, when I talk to different people, there's a lot of people that are really well-intentioned, but are just ignorant to consequence structures, like the human beings that created social media ad structures. You know, they're like, this is going to be good. This is great. Oh, I'm helping people connect. But, but they're like- minions. These are minions of the control matrix who don't understand what they're doing. Look at all the people who like lead the psychedelic movement and who are talking it and pitching it. They're morons who don't know anything about or who are very new to the who are very new to it and don't and also like if we're talking about psilocybin and cannabis we're talking about actual spirits that require a specific realm of respect humility discernment these people don't care about that notice where psychedelics were legalized during the last election dc i mean what's mm -hmm. going on there yeah, it's a very, um, I mean, I think to a steeped in and experienced uh, human who's had ex uh, like shamanic overlap in their lives, it's really obvious, again, the discernment. And it's very obvious that plants and plant medicine and sacred plant medicine are, there's, there's a movement to capture and control. Um, and eschew reverence. The reverence thing is so key. I mean, I think once you've tasted and drank from the cup of reverence, mm, there's consequence to going back. Like, you got to respect it. You know, it's not just like to be shoveled in. I mean, I'd say, um, yeah, like back in, in college, I used to have like just a little tiny bit of mushrooms, a little psilocybin. Uh, before going to classes. And I noticed that one, my ability to get really spongy, you know, so I would have, I would be a little bit less linear, mm -hmm. but I would be able to really deeply soak in the information. And then over the next day or two, I would have a lot of connections and ahas. And so like when it came time to a midterm or a final or like writing a paper, I just had this deeper understanding and grasp of the material and it wasn't like i memorized what the teacher said mm -hmm. so that was cool i remember thinking like this is this is epic i i also kind of joke around when I'm, I'm like i think there was a period of time in college probably about two or three months where i had um i had mushrooms like almost every day and i'll just tell people like especially during that time in your life or in my life i was like mushrooms are my psychologist like I basically, the Ninos, the um, mushroom spirit, the the mother coming through the mushrooms was like really giving me the reflections that I needed to see and the connections I need to see in order to keep my mind sane through 
another tier of hormonal release, mm -hmm. aka 20, 21-year-old human. <laughs> well, that's been my best experience with microdosing as well, is, you know, like when I was microdosing Ibogaine, it's when I was writing a book back in Echo Park, and um, it just opened up new neural connections, and like just new pathways were opening. And similarly, when I've microdosed with psilocybin, it's allowed, like you were saying about it being your psychologist, did you say psychologist or psychiatrist? Psychologist. Okay, because I've always referred to psilocybin as my grandparents. Like, I think this must be what grandparents are like. Um, but wherein, when I was microdosing with psilocybin, I would be able to see, um, like lessons in emotional intelligence, I would be able to integrate them more quickly and more effectively. But here's the thing that I, I wanna come back to what you said about when you were taking the hike and you ran into the guy who was my age and he was so excited to talk to you, is that this is what I see and have seen with microdosing for the past few years, is it's a trend. And it's something people can talk about and brag about. And I saw this in the psychedelic community before microdosing became a thing where there's like this pride and this bragging. Of especially people, ayahuasca. Especially ayahuasca. Which and is great for microdosing also. It's so great for microdosing. I had the best time at the Raw Spirit Festival, the first one in Sedona microdosing Aya. But, and my point is that this is what I see mostly with microdosing is people who aren't courageous enough or willing enough to do a, a heroic dose and really look at their stuff, but they microdose and then they brag about it to get the points. And for me, I feel like someone's in integrity with their medicine when they don't need to tell me about it. So I'm wondering how many of these tech hipsters are microdosing and keeping it to themselves and just having their own experience and how much of it is to tell other people what they're doing and get the bullshit social credit that comes from it. Um, yeah, that's a good question. That would be a very, I, in some ways I think it's telling when you, when you meet someone um, or maybe when you, when, when I'm seeing uh, this space. So like when I look at the tech space uh people that i've spoken to and then also just the re general social reputation it seems like it's heavily weighted in the um psychedelic virtue signal yeah. Yeah. right uh and i know that there are people i just trust and know that there are people that are where the medicine is speaking to them and they're listening Deep, you know deeper it's so interesting to me because for one, it, it's just strange that any of this, it was illegal and like withheld in the first place. You know, we this is- We can't be trusted. The authorities need to tell us what we need to know. And we're just dumb little slave plebs. I mean, they're protecting us. It's for our own safety. I forgot. Uh, <laughs> and that's part of the problem as I need help remembering. Good thing, elite. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's a really interesting, uh, time, I think where it's, how do things become known and popular? How do things penetrate that mainstream? I, I, I don't think things penetrate unless they're allowed to, I, in some ways, I, I don't think that I just, when I look into underground movements, right? Like the psychedelic movement, like the. Stop right now. The psychedelic movement was funded and fomented by the CIA. Right. So that's what I'm talking about. It's full on establishment elite fucktards trying to pretend that it's underground. That's what I'm talking about. Right. It's like, unless something is allowed to come into the mainstream, the guards of the mainstream and the, the mind control are very on it and they're trying to be much more on it it seems so i get a little like okay psychedelics and microdosing is becoming this very popular thing right now it seems intentional it seems like okay there's going to be legislation passed it seems like a money play also because there's so much money to be made on all of these problems that have been created all like addiction and sleep troubles and you know, all all of the things that people are having, you know, kind of the front runners and people who would like 
say, go see a psychedelic therapist over the last, you know, maybe 10 years ago or something. And they would go and sit and like, take a look at their issues or they would get some diagnosis and they'd be like, okay, this is, you know, gonna have a surgery and here's your medicine. They're like, mm, I'm gonna think about that. And they go and they take a journey to Peru and have this whole, you know, awakening and come back and make deep lifestyle choices and changes. The, I think those people who kind of led the opening of it, kind of, not kind of, they showed the potential. They showed the potential to more and more people. Like if you know someone who had a psychedelic experience that woke them up and changed their life. And then you have that. And then you have all of these people who are on pharmaceuticals where it's just barely moving the needle. I mean, for some people, it helps them get through the day. Totally. There are people that are taking SSRIs on the daily in order to like move through and it kind of works for them, you know, in some way. Um, I'm not trying to be in some kind of purist space about that. I just think that it's not the only way. Like if you're depending on pharmaceuticals in order to make your way through the day, then there's probably some more systemic foundational things to take a look at. Yeah. I mean, as someone who was on SSRIs way back, like I said, 18th century, um, they're fine to get someone through a crisis. It, I feel like it's the same as polyamory per se. Like it's a, you can move through it, but you don't want to stay there. You don't want to hang yeah. out there too long. And clear counsel delete. Some people are actually wired that polyamory works for them. But I feel like if you're just relying on SSRIs, then you're masking like, and not doing your work to look at what's going on. Like there's not, then there's a stagnancy there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a, there's a signal. There's a signal there. If you're if you if you're listening to this, and you are regularly taking SSRIs, we invite you to take a look at more foundational materials so that you don't have dependencies that are impin impinging your liberty and the freedom of your inner pharmacopoeia that exactly. has uh, has the ability to adjust and you know to make it so that you're you're really here to do your life's work and be in your mission. And I think there's also something to be said, and again, like no judgment, like I had my SSRI moment and everyone's, you know, moving through their own process the way they are. But if we're not feeling the extent, like I'll just speak for myself, I tend to transmute tougher issues when they, I can feel how painful they are. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm numbing that pain, then it's gonna be easier for me to gloss over it and not deal. And if you, and then in the same way, if you need to numb in order to find some semblance of your nervous system needs to relax and find, you know, find some center, some balance, then yeah, that's, that's actually a great, it's a great tool. There are many tools. That's one of the tools that you have available. Yeah. Um, but also look at who's manufacturing the tool, what the ingredients are in your tool, what the long-term side effects of your tool are, if there might be other more natural tools not to get us too off topic, but I'm also kind of thinking, like I, I have this theory about Burning Man that's like, okay, if you wanna get a big RV and do it that way, that's fine. If at some point you've gone in, built a tent, hammered your own stakes into the ground, you know, ripped your leg open on your own rebar and had that experience. And I kind of feel like when it comes to psychedelics, like you need to have the full experience and come into your own authentic right relationship before you decide to micro. That's interesting. Some t I'm sure that micro is going to introduce people who are going to get curious to what's deeper, right? Because we also live in a society where more is better. And so I'm sure people who are, you know, have like whatever form people are taking it in. I know some people do it in, um, like little capsules, some people have tinctures, some people are just having the tat, you know, whatever you're microdosing. Seems like a lot of droppers. It's kind of a thing. Um, chocolate, also, I mean, it's kind of. I mean, I, I like the Paul Stamets, and I've also heard that it's total bullshit, but that, like, of measuring out, like, your pinky finger amount, pinky fingernails amount of mushrooms mixed with lion's mane every four days. 
Oh, but then cool. I've also heard that he made it, he totally made that up to sell lion's mane. That's third-hand gossip. I don't know that that's true. But I, I don't know that he needed to give lion's mane any more gusto. That is that particular, that particular substance is on a roll. It's on a rampage. I mean, I just know because I get, I get emails from my, like, pull it back a little bit. Every day. Pull, pull it back a little bit. So it's in focus. Focus. Oh, there's all this light. I don't think you're going to be able to see it. It says lion's mane mushroom extract. Lion's mane double extract. Double One extract. Out. Do I have anything fun here? Ink for stamps. Don't oh, microdose. that's so much more fun and create. Well, no, that's fun in a different way. Totally different. Well, are you familiar with Bet Williams? Oh, are you showing me C60? Yeah, I'm having a little right now. Okay, are you familiar with Bet Williams? No. She's a phenomenal writer, and she wrote a psychedelic memoir last year, which is about her, you know, she has a very deep relationship with psilocybin and the spirits, and she went to Mexico to, like, Maria Sabina's village. You know, she's done the whole thing. And I, personally, I think she's leading some of the most interesting sovereign conversations around psychedelics that I'm witnessing in the sphere. Can we, can we link to her in their show notes? Yeah, so we'll definitely, her book is called The Wild Unknown and I highly recommend it to all of our audience because it was fantastic, so fun to read and she's such a beautiful writer. That thinks, and she says that the mushrooms have told her that microdosing is bullshit and it's a total waste. Um, and this is her perspective, but I value her perspective and I value um, that she has such a deep multidimensional relationship with the psilocybin. So that's something that I've just, I just wanted to present that and share that, that this is someone who's sort of a leader in the field who thinks microdosing is like a capitalist sham. It's, I mean, I, I'm, I don't, yeah, I can see where, like I understand where she's coming with that. And I don't think anything is that, is that black and white. I agree. Uh, and just in having personal experiences where it's like, I know on the days that I'll have a microdose, like a microdose psilocybin. And I don't even realize how I've had a string of maybe 10 days before where I've been holding like physically like fascia holding on trying to like grip some type of control over time or just that subtle stress load um, and like not giving myself a moment. And I'll be like in the grocery store realizing like, well, I'm like actually listening to the music. Like I'm strolling down the aisles. I'm not like, I need to get, finish this so I can get back to the thing. and do, do. I'm, ta I'm allowing the, the let go. It would be different if I was macrodosing or if I was in a full dose on the grocery store. I might be taking a breaststroke down the aisle. I'm just playing devil's advocate because I am someone who does microdose as well. And I wonder if that isn't your experience because you do have so much in-depth experience you do have macro experience so i feel like there's a like that relationship the the strength of that relationship the honoring the respect in that relationship has been established and i know for myself that when i've microed for a while without macroing i do feel the mushrooms being like come on dude like why are you holding back from us like what are you why are you dicking around like this and i feel them wanting me to go deeper with them and they want to go deeper with me you know it's i i know that call that invitation i'm familiar i also find that when you when we heed that call there it's just it's because it's a relationship you know it's like you're dating someone right and you have like a first two weeks of just falling in love and just like deep wow oh my god this is just better than anything and then you know one person flies back home and you guys are like microdosing, AKA like texting and on the phone and FaceTiming. And it's like, this is microdoses and like you're nurturing your relationship. But the next time that they fly to come see you or you fly to come see them, that is going to be a whole different quality of seeing based on how we've nurtured that relationship. Okay. I feel like that was the perfect metaphor because these days, 
was and and you are setting the tone for a long distance relationship. So these days, so many relationships are founded online, non-locally. And I feel like that is comparable to starting off with microdosing. So when you meet someone in person, then when you're kind of microdosing through text, when you're not in the same state, it makes sense because you already know and have established a connection. You know that you're nurturing something. But when you start off a relationship just digitally, you're kind of delusional. There's not really anything there. There's a bunch of projection. And more often than not, when those relationships finally do come together in person for those macros, they're a big giant fail. I mean, not always. They're not always a big not fail. Not always, but I would say more often than not. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 there's projection. I see that. There's also just a lot of assumption because we're, we're not working with the full dimensionality. Exactly. So we have all these people who think they're psychedelic warriors, but they're not working with the full dimensionality. And I don't know, like where, you know, in the spirit realm, I don't know what that means. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, just think about getting to know someone without smelling them. Exactly. You know, that's like pretty fucking key here in the human slash animal realm. Uh, I believe Tom Robbins said smell is 80% of it. No, no, style is 80% of it. But he, he did also elude in some, in some paragraph somewhere around. I guess it's a jitterbug perfume reference. I would, I would really imagine so. But just smell being so, so key as an element. And we haven't figured out how to like, you know, have, ah, oh, I like, oh, dinner smells good. I like that. Um, just well, have also, some synthetic chemical extrapolation. Since we're playing with this metaphor, when you're when you're just texting someone and that's your relationship, you're bringing your best, right? You're not going to like have a fit and talk about it in your little text. Similarly, like I think we've all had our in a macro, and when we're macroing on psychedelics, I think there's a moment where we've all had our asses kicked, right? Is anyone really yeah. getting their ass kicked microing? Are they really being confronted with what they need to see? Are they well, I, I think I think that if you have a micro and then go into because set and setting, even in a sober, you know, even in a non-substance space, still plays in. There's a there's a an exaggeration of sorts or um, a, a deepening, we'll call it. So. Um, I've had the experience of microdosing and everything's hunky dory and then have uh, like run into someone and have an unpleasant experience. Right. And so it does not, it's not a, it doesn't feel good. feels really awkward. And then I'm left holding this thing like, okay, I need to unpack this. I just may not have the full set of tools to unpack it. I'm just kind of being, with that emotional so it's not like you get your ass kicked but it's not all super comfortable and to be honest and i was also um i was listening to a talk um i'll link to it neuro is it neuro uh, i forget the guy's instagram handle it was malcolm you know malcolm the chocolate guy in canada malcolm we'll we'll link to both of these guys because they're both also having a conversation um up in up in Canada and there they had a, a little like workshop intro talking about the myths with psychedelics. I'm actually going to look it up just cause I think it's, it would be helpful. Uh, the myths with psychedelics, like it's not a panacea. It's not going to like help every single person exactly with what they need. It's just not, it's not for everyone is basically what, what is to be said. You're talking about when you're microwing and you run into someone and it's awkward. That is not the same as the medicine giving you a hard time because that's what you need. That is a very different experience. That's different. That's not that's not the medicine kicking your ass. That's just life presenting you with a lesson. Exactly. And so I feel like that's just I'm not saying it's better or worse. I'm just saying it's it makes a multi-dimensional experience very one-dimensional and it's pulling out a lot of these like uh, the big part of the psychedelic experience for me is venturing into the unknown 
and the mystery and like who knows what the mushrooms have to say to me who knows what iboga has to say to me you know like i i don't know what i'm stepping into when we're microwing i think that there's way less of that if any well we're just it's um it's almost like it's happening but we're just not tuned into that frequency so we're just ignorant of of that happening I feel like there's a frequency where that's um, that's kind of always available, right? Like if if right in this moment you took a macro dose, you could go and seek out some place where you need polishing, right? And the medicine will deliver an ass kicking in order to polish that. Maybe lamp. that's not necessarily true because that's happened that's a bunch of times and I'm someone who has historically been hard on myself and there have been times where I've taken big doses of various medicines looking for the ass kicking and they're like you're doing a great just job just love yourself just yeah. love yourself that's totally true the <laughs> um gosh you're right you know it's just not so linear straightforward prescription this equals that it just isn't like that I, I think that there's a really interesting conversation here around A, the relationship analogy, and B, the necessity of that deep dive, almost like a driver's license, like a test. You know, it's almost like here's your initiation, which is, oh man, this I keep on coming back to this. This week has been a really big uh, topic of conversation, is the importance of rites of passage and initiations. So key, so key in experiencing that almost the life or death moment. And, and it's a beautiful thing with psychedelics because you get to have a life or death experience that's not, it's pretty much, I'm not going to say never, but almost never threatening your 3D life and death. You know, it's never like... Unless like, you're, unless you're too many mushrooms in Thailand and decide that it's a good idea to swim to a neighboring island. <laughs> Is that not a good idea? It's just right there. I can see it. I can make it. I can totally make it. <laughs> I definitely did a um, um, walk in the hill, like the way back country in California. And I was like looking and I was like, I bet if we just walked that way for a few hours, maybe like two hours, I think we'll be able to get to the ocean. <laughs> there's no... Okay, there's a through line here. When <laughs> you're back going <laughs> and decide you're going to take some insane journey, <laughs> maybe good to second think that. Yeah, that's a, that's a little asterisk on the, on the box. Yeah. But yeah, Reality... these are rites of passage. Like, I lost all use of my limbs in the middle of the ocean while swimming to another island in Thailand, I needed to, like, my soul needed that initiation for my larger incarnative growth. Well, so much of the, one of the greatest benefits of that is something that our culture is so hungry for right now without even knowing that they're starving is, uh, is the fear of death. It's conquering the fear of death. It's just engaging with that fear because right now we're having experience where the fear of death is keeping people from living. It's a fear of living. Fear, it's just an overarching fear that's not even your fear. It's being manufactured and put onto your brain. It's not yours. And rites of passage, uh, rites of um, you know, initiations and psychedelic journeys are a great deliverer of such things, more macro dosing psychedelic journeys do have, they, they basically can deliver us into states and initiations where we can engage our fear of death and assage, massage it, see in more of a meta perspective that we're just passing through. This is a, this a meat suit, this instrument that we are so blessed to enjoy the sensational reality of for just a brief moment in time, time being totally created as well, that there is not a thing to fear. And that's so, that was one of my earliest lessons with a, with a super deep macro DMT trip. Okay. I feel like what you said was so valuable and I just had so many ahas while you were saying it. Yes. What we're dealing with now is a large scale, massive fear of death. 
And I think it's interesting that the powers that were are now pushing this micro thing because it's keeping people from the, the type of relationship and the type of engaging that would give them this rite of passage, this rite of passage that would eradicate that fear. That's that's very spot on. And there's not there's not I don't know maybe just in my circles there's not really a don't take a macro or don't like if you're normally having one of these droppers or whatever like. I don't really hear people like avoiding necessarily or, or fearful of having like five droppers or 10 droppers. It's more of like, I have a lot of time since I'm not like working as much or I'm, I don't know what to do with this last year. I had all this time where I was just at home. And so I think a lot of people did a lot of tripping, not just the micro. Correct. So uh, before I speak to that, I just want to adjust what I said, not eradicate the fear of death, come into a different relationship with that. Because I don't know that that's anything that we ever actually eradicate while we're still holding on to the meat suit. And I'm guessing your friends, your friends are macroers anyway. And what I was mostly referring to was the mainstreaming of psychedelics through microdosing and the normies now jumping on the microdosing bandwagon, which is staving off the, the larger heroic doses that would allow them to come face to face with their fear of death and come into a more harmonious relationship with it. And this is that, you know, this should be taught in school. This is one of those things where, A, while I'm watching all this microdosing happening, my one of my first thoughts is, the importance of emotional intelligence training, like just, just huge. So we, we got to do that. Uh, conscious awesome tribe, create, um, create a curriculum essentially for emotional intelligence building so that as more and more people engage this micro phenomenon, and you know, there will also be a, a section of humanity that, uh, is introduced to macro dosing. The, the importance of that is is becoming more and more more and more crucial totally crucial um and actually let me just i'm just gonna i'm not gonna go into the other one because that's like a whole nother can but that particular that particular piece of you're getting exposed to this new way of thinking having some structure around it or some type of you know and traditionally that's done in ceremony traditionally that's done in the grounding um, of tradition. Integration. Yeah, integration would be a great thing. Yeah, um, well, I'm curious, I mean, and I don't know that we can answer that, but I would be curious to know for the people who have had no psychedelic experience, what is coming up for them by way of microdosing and what their needs actually are for integration? You know, like, I, I don't really know. And I agree, like the emotional intelligent aspect in all realms of psychedelic use, whether macro, micro, or the one in between, whose moniker I'm- Medio, Medio. Medio, yes. It is so important. And it's something that, you know, we've talked about this, that we've seen in the macro community, just kind of skipping over that because it's not as fun. It's not as sexy. You don't go get as many social credit points for like talking to your inner child as you do for like chugging back three cups of Aya. So yes, of course, the emotional intelligence raising curriculum is a, a crucial part of the School of Yesology's offering. Yeah, indeed. I'm, I'm like 100% certain on that. Yeah. Wow. There's some nice puzzle pieces coming in online right now. Have you microed today? No. Uh, I thought I was going to because of the topic, and it just uh, didn't really work out this morning. Um, and that happens sometimes. I opted for a coffee instead because I don't know, just I didn't get the call. Some days I'm like, ah, it's time for me. And it's like recently I've been getting a lot of cannabis invitation. Okay. But also just not really, um, I've been very tepid about it as well. I don't know why. Oh, I've been waking up at five and doing like a, you know, like have two hours or, you know, about two hours before children wake up, uh, which has been amazing. And it's very challenging to do that if I 
smoke some herb at night and have like a whole creative sesh and then go to bed at one, waking up at five is much more challenging, especially if at two, my two-year-old wakes me up and Orion's like, hey, daddy, guess what? It's time to wake up. I'm like, no, 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 it's definitely not. Here, have this microdose. No, I don't do that. <laughs> No, but I think about that as far as uh, my own children and what kind of rites of passage, like what's that right relationship? You know, because there's definitely, there are communities, you go down into South America, there are children who from birth are having ayahuasca microdosing and basically being introduced to the energy. Uh, I think in Mexico as well, more in uh, Maria Sabina's uh, community, children being introduced to mushrooms is a more normal thing. It's super taboo here. I think you go to jail if you give children drugs, I'm pretty sure. Um, I don't know, clear, cancel, delete. I just think it's very taboo to do that. But I also think that there is a, like I would rather introduce my children in their adolescence. I mean, that's kind of in my mind. I'm like, okay, you're getting into this place. I would rather, you know, the 13-year-old or the 15-year-old um, Orion, like, have an intentional journey not just like i was hanging out with my friends and someone was like hey you want to try this and then they do it and even like like cannabis wise like i even though it's like the gateway i don't think that that is necessarily the best gateway you know i don't you know i think for um neural growth and development it might be that having um i just think that there's a different path way and it would be ideal to really customize it to the template of the human. And I wonder, like for a reflector or a projector or a manifesting generator, what would be the path? This would be, this is like a whole book that could be written. That really Interesting. is. <laughs> like, it's like, um, you know, designing rites of passage for children based on their astrological signatures. <laughs> well, astrological, human design, their whole cosmology, gene keys. Mm -hmm. That's so That's brilliant that's so brilliant to design these i mean obviously you're not going to get you could get super custom but even if you just have them for the projector the manifesting generator you know the different like five one two four that would mm -hmm. be so fascinating i mean i i imagine because psychedelics are a product of nature even in uh in the case of lsd and albert hoffman it's like it's still a product of nature and discovery so there's a pattern there. There's going to be a resonant pattern. So there's going to be crossover. There's going to be ways that that lays over and on top of. Um, and I just, you know, I wish that I was introduced. I, I feel very grateful for how I was introduced to um, different ways of getting altered. Um, where pretty early on, there was this like, hey, this is super fun and have reverence. You know, and that that was really key. It was, I... I don't know that I've ever used substances as an escape or maybe I did it once and I was like, this sucks. I don't want to feel this weird pressure sponge nummy thing where I'm like trying to not feel something. I don't like that. Um, in the same way, like, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm aware of it and I'm like, mm, that's not the way to use this. I think that's my trying to use a golf club for a fork. It's just, this is not the right tool for the job. Yeah, I, I think that's probably my most prominent misgiving around the microdosing is people not learning the reverence. And I feel like sometimes if you're not gifted, you know, if you don't have an elder or someone who's more experienced to bring you into a ceremony and teach you that, you know, like I know for me with psilocybin, it was psilocybin like smacking me down hard and teaching me that. And I think if people are just coming to it through trend, through big pharma and just microdosing, I'm not sure where that reverence for the spirits will come in. Probably an email. <laughs> Probably some uh, pop-up on your on your it'll be, yeah. it'll be a notification. Thank great spirit. Oh yeah. Yeah, you forgot to pray and ask for permission. I mean, I, I just want to take a, uh, let's take a deep breath real quick and, and clear the different timelines. We'll let go of the different timelines that provide for less than optimal relatedness with substance, with psychedelic, with the wisdom and intelligence of, of 
ingestibles. Um, yes, take a deep breath. So we can let go of those timelines that are ac not actually serving us and really like play with this, play with the ideology, play with what it looks like to have the integration, like the perfect integration of psychedelics, you know, both micro, macro, the conversation around them, the reverence, the accessibility, the wisdom and el the elder teacher, the leading, um, the youth leading um, and awareness and that other perspective. I mean, there's so much neuroplasticity that we can apply to creating and visioning the world and relationship of psychedelics um, that will do us so good as a, as a, as a culture, you know, because essentially what we are thinning through and kind of filtering into is more sovereignty, more direct connection with spirit. Mm. Oh, I love that. Yes. And I'm also curious, uh, asking our conscious awesome tribe, like, what are your experiences with microdosing as far as like, what do you get? Like, what are the, what are the benefits and the bonuses that you've seen and from microdosing what, and like, what's the best kind of optimal way, optimal microdosing experience. And also from our audience and tribe of conscious awesomers, um, have you had experiences with microdosing that were less than optimal? That you're like, well, I learned a good lesson there or it's not for me, or I like mushroom microdosing, but every time I microdose LSD, I curl up into a ball and I feel like my molting spirit is in limbo, whatever, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. I don't want to clear cancel, delete that. Don't experience that if you don't have to. <laughs> and, um, you know, what's your experience that, um, because it's being glorified right now, yeah. let's be real about it, you know, Nothing is going to be one size fits all amazing, awesome for everyone. And let's trust our adaptability and our human instrument to be able to filter through experiences that are like, oh, I experienced that. It wasn't great for me. I'm not going to never do that again. I might just change my experience. That's the can of worms I was going to open earlier. I'm just going to, I'm just going to open it right, I'm just going to open it right now as we close up a little here. Um, whenever I've had an experience, in the macro setting that has been less than pleasant or kick ass, like full, can't get out of patterns. I'm being reminded of things that I know and being slapped around for it. Like those, the shadow work um, or what some people might call a bad trip. <laughs> My immediate, as soon as I'm coming out of that, and I have this moment of reflection, my immediate desire is to go back in and work on it. Not, I never want to do that again. That scared the shit out of me. My, and this happened early on because I'd never had, you know, the, I didn't understand what the bad trip was. So I intentionally created one for myself. And I got to just see where my blind spots were. And I was like, great. Now I know exactly what I can work on when I go right back in. So, and I, and I encourage people not to be afraid of what the mind creates because there's still, it's just a fabric of imagination. You know, it's, it's the, it's the cyclone, not the eye of the storm, which is you, your spirit, your entity, your being is the eye of the storm. And sometimes when we get into a psychedelic state or sometimes we don't even need a psychedelic state, we stick our head into the cyclone and feel like, Oh my God, this is all everything and have a whole freak out. That's not actually reality. There's just one small pie slice. It's not the entirety of reality. I trust, I empower, I, um, I can settle into knowing that you'll know exactly what to do when you get there. Yes. I believe in our conscious awesome tribe. Yes. That's why you're here. That is That's why we're here. <laughs> awesome. Um, I think maybe we'll, uh, We'll tighten it up right there, and I'm just going like to plant the seed. It feels like a good micro-examination of the microdosing phenomenon. Indeed. We just scratched the surface here. Please join us for this conversation outside of this into the, the chats and the comments, and um, 
yeah, let's let's keep this conversation rolling and keep a tab on what's happening in culture in regards to this phenomena. <laughs> Thank you, Conscious Awesome. Happen. Yes, yes. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Be sure to give it a like to share it with your nearest and dearest. And remember to subscribe to the channel so that you don't miss a single episode of your very favorite podcast, Word Up with Danny Katz. We'll see you soon, tribe. <laughs>